The theme for the afternoon talk is the liberation of the voice. When we look inside within ourselves, there are a a variety of movements which take place. And one way of describing or referring to these uh, movements is is the quite often the meeting of perception and feeling there's quite often uh, memory there may well be some uh, uh, energy and that forms uh, uh, together and from that there may emerge out of that some uh, thought some idea there which is also part of the uh, movement from within and out of all of that activity that takes place with our inner life it moves up through the body and in its movement up through the body it passes through the throat and it comes out uh, in the voice similar movement also takes place uh, with the written so there is a, a movement inside it's also moving up through the body and it's directed out through the arm there, through the end of the fingers fingers in both hands sometimes, whether we type or uh, we write and something is expressed from within that goes to the outer it's obviously and clearly extraordinary common occurrence uh, uh, for us and quite often what comes out of the being and manifests through the voice or through the movement out through the hands could be telling us more about ourselves than what we are writing or speaking uh, about and it takes some mindfulness and clarity uh, 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 with ourselves to recognize how the being is in this kind of movement during my years, to take a small example here, um, as, a, as a monk, Buddhist monk, uh, in Thailand, in the uh, Vipassana monastery, we engaged in a great deal of uh, practice of mindfulness of this movement. And the way that we learned or uh, we were, were taught that there is this world, as I said, of perceptions and feelings and quite often with fairly strong feelings we tend to feel them physically uh, deeper down, perhaps in the centre of the chest or even uh, deeper and we'll also uh, sometimes with our thought world as we say, it seems more in the head it seems more in the brain and this dynamic takes place what took place in the, medita- sorry, in the monastery with the meditations was to be really mindful of this movement that's going on through the body to gain outer expression and one aspect to see whether with the voice or with the hands what was the outcome of the movement and with regard to the hands it was really to notice and to see 
whether with the hands there was wanting, demanding, expecting, reaching out and grabbing. So there's a movement inside, it comes up through the body, it goes out through the hands and it lands on something. And the hands can be used for that in all manner of ways. And quite a number of the problematic habits and addictions of the mind which kind of terrorize people's lives is this movement coming out through the hands. And that, of course, obviously, from then from the hand to the mouth and uh, much more. There's also the problematic aspect in its movement, both in the speech and in the movement of the hand, which can then, in that movement, can show negativity and blame uh, and anger. And therefore there is a pressure inside, and rather than the wanting, it is the aversion, the reaction against. But it's still the movement. And then the movement comes out in the voice. And in the movement of the voice, usually when that's manifesting itself, it usually it will show itself that the speed of the voice will get faster. That's the pressure. Quite often, the voice will get <coughs> higher, uh, gets higher, shouting or speaking more loudly. And the third aspect is that the pressure inside is not allowing nor giving space to the other to speak. So that in the pressure there is the, there is the view that what I have to say is more important than what you have to say. You are interrupting me. Uh, and I haven't finished, etc. And this, this is pressure. Similarly, it can move out through the arm, out through the hand and, the, and uh, uh, the fingers. That can show itself in the contractions. It can show itself in the contraction of the clenched fist. It can show itself in the contraction around a weapon and holding it hard. It can uh, show itself as a, a lot of uh, threatening agitation. And the other, which we looked at as well, in this exploration of this movement and incidentally we, we explored this day in and day out it wasn't just a, uh, for an afternoon and in the exploration of the movement it also is in confusion confusion is a kind of generalised word here which would, in, would include fear, worry anxiety not being able to come to a resolution, feeling uh, a lot of different choices, etc., under the general word confusion. So there is movement going on. That movement is coming up through the being, through the body. It's coming out in the voice. Shall I, to the other, shall I do this? Shall I do that? I'm not really quite sure about this. It coming out in doubt, in fear, in worry, and the voice is communicating it to the other, as long as they can tolerate having to listen to it all. But equally as well, when there is some pressure, either with the voice or without it, it may well, if it is strong, come out through the body, and it will come out through the hands, as one expression. 
that may show itself as a lot of movement in the hands, one is scratching, one's picking one's fingernails, one's scratching one's head, and uh, all kind of itchy, uncomfortableness is going on, indicating that in the deep of the being, there is some agitation going on, and it's reflecting itself in unsettledness, restless movement, um, some confusion uh, in the mind, and the body also looks confused, agitated, moving backwards and forwards, can't settle, can't be still. These three kinds of um, uh, movements, but there is the antidote. It's not that our life is just about those kind of movements. So we also recognize, and I mentioned this from the monastery, for our practice here and in the daily life circumstance, the antidote. And sometimes the movement is not taking for the self. It's not reaching out, I must have, I want. And we can find expressions in which the movement has the movement, and the movement moves out, in this case through the hands there, it's the gift it's the acts of uh, generosity it's the willingness to share it's the love to create something for the welfare and the benefit of the other and we want to be able to distinguish in life this movement in its healthy expression from the anger whether of the voice or of the movement of the hand or hands there to make that shift and it's a very conscious shift in which the antidote would be kindness it is friendship and therefore if through the being the voice is expressing itself which is an aspect of uh, the liberation of, of the voice what the deep with the calm is will be pretty well the precise opposite to the other in other words if your voice is shouting, it will go, it'll be quieter. If the voice is speaking very, very quickly and aggressively, it will not be quick and it will not be aggressive. If the voice which one is sharing is act engaged in active listening, it won't feel the need to keep interrupting the other. So our practice is sometimes to shift this movement from the being to find ways to be skillful to free up the voice so that we can find ways to communicate and therefore it's the, liber it's the liberation of the voice with the last one as well when there is fear, worry, anxiety, agitation as we know it really in subtle and gross ways can manifest through uh, uh, the body is uncomfortable for us ourselves of course but also in the agitation it's often quite difficult to listen to a person who she or he can't make eye contact with us she or he is so anxious or worried or uh, uh, agitated and therefore it's a practice for us to 
to see in our communications whether we can keep reasonably calm in the being as we speak. You know, one of the teachers uh, said this well, uh, uh, years ago, and sometimes, you know, it does happen for us, somebody says something in the right, right moment, uh, to us and we kind of take notice oh that's you know, a kind of thank you and the view was expressed uh, uh, to me uh, the teacher, he was a friend of mine he was ordained 26, 28 years got, got fully ordained when he was 18 which is sweet and he said to me Christopher your talks um, um, supportive, helpful and interesting but he said, I'm fed up with looking at your hands while you're talking. Because they're, oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and some, oh, right, it's distracting. Uh, there, I can't say I've, they're always down here, but anyway. <laughs> Maybe I should sit on them. Uh, yeah, so sometimes, in the mindfulness of, in which there is the exploration of the voice uh, uh, with us, that communication is the freeing up of the voice. And similarly, when there is more calm and uh, sitting posture with the hands in the lap or uh, on the end of the knees, does communicate a calmness. And it is easier for another to listen to us. When our voice is more calm, it's easier to listen to when we're choosing our words mindfully and carefully there, when we're really willing to listen to the other. And after all, the single purpose in speaking is that the person listens to us. And if one's not really interested, we'll at least be honest about it and say, look, I'm really pissed off, you're such a shitty person, you're really a mess in my life and I don't want you to listen to me at all, I just want to get this out. The, the person may say, oh thank you so much for your clarity, uh, etc. I'm very happy that you don't need me to listen to you, goodbye, just carry on talking. So at least we're sharing what we're, what we're seeing there. The periods of the freedom of the voice also, and this has been touched upon um, in other ways over our days here is the freedom of the voice is also the willingness to find the voice and this is equally important, so yes we are looking at the greed which the voice or the hands express, the wanting more than we need we are looking at the blame and the attacks and the anger and the consequences, sometimes to ourselves or others, of course. We are looking at the fears and anxieties and confusions and the inability to make decisions and all those voices and the way the body is influenced. We are also equally, as mentioned to you then, interested in finding ways with our body to be creative find ways in our uh, life to be kind and generous, to find ways to speak calmly and, clar and with clearness. And when a person then says, <coughs> with regard to our mindfulness practice here, whoa, whoa, never mind sitting on the cushion, 
what about the communications? Life is a relationship and we know that one of the most challenging aspects of our day-to-day life is the way that we relate to uh, others. And though we give um, much care and attention in our silences here, the real metal and the depth um, of our practice may well start tomorrow afternoon (laughs) when you put the key in the front door and your lover has been waiting for you for a week or 11 days there or your kids are at home or you're walking and you're alone or or you pick up as Michael said the, 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 the cell phone there. Cell phones are. Um, I like the word cell for phone. Solve them. And. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I should say that to myself. Look, if you don't find them, it's because we've put them on eBay and <laughs> sold them. And thank you for your darn, as well as for your cars. They're all on eBay. And Tobin uh, would be very grateful. Anyway, so sometimes we go into the fresh situation the voice is important one of the I regard one of the immense problems with this freeing up of the voice this active uh, listening which is such a key thing with these teachings there is how easily and how quickly that which we do not want to hear which is not nice to hear and that could be towards ourself that could be towards our family could be towards our colleagues it could be our community it could be towards the different uh, groups in the Jewish community it could be towards your neighbours people in Palestine and refugees and much much more how easily we hear things and we feel uncomfortable about what is being said it sounds prejudice it sounds hostile angry and blaming it sounds racist it sounds a discrimination uh, against it sounds like a put down of the other behind their back and they don't have the voice and then we we listen to that there isn't active engagement and what the response is is passive and we forget that the passive response to that which is ugly to listen to which is disrespectful to any uh, human being we forget that if we just listen and say not a word that passivity supports that voice and those voices sadly are getting more and more power influence in our society because good people caring people have become afraid to speak and there is therefore no liberation of the voice it's contracted one would never say any of us would ever say uh, that is easy 
We can never say it is easy when uh, people in front of us are expressing things which we find uh, distasteful and uh, unsatisfactory. But in the face of that, it may be we go quiet. It may be we don't want to disturb the the pleasure of next Monday when you're all having your New Year celebration and then somebody at the food table comes out with some ugly racist uh, remark about somebody and you think, oh, I won't say anything. It's, it's New Year's Day. Why not? Why not? It doesn't have to be angry. It doesn't have to be negative. It doesn't have to be a blind reaction to. But you and I know some members of our family, sometimes, some members of our uh, uh, friends, some of the people we contact with, some of the people that we, uh, we uh, hear, that uh, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's it disturbing to hear. And to me, that is more important to find the calm, clear voice. And it might just be a question. It might just be a question. You know, uh, a friend of mine, a Palestinian friend uh, uh, of mine, said she was on the bus in Jerusalem and there were teenagers on the bus and the teenagers were angry with the Arabs. And, and they were saying to each other, we should kill the whole lot of them. Not one single person on the bus, not one single person said a word. That's tragic. It's tragic that the voices are said. These were by teenagers coming home from school. But it's equally tragic that nobody said anything. And it's going to take, and so sometimes we are quiet there. But could it be, in the freedom of the voice, the active listening is the same thing, we actually find some time for some reflection, and we say, okay, I said nothing, I was afraid, or I was tired, or whatever the rationalizations are. Um, but next time, I'm gonna have, going to have some preparation for the unexpected if it's either directed personally or directed outwardly to others. And what can I ask? What can I say? Can I look the person quietly eye in the eye, eyeball to eyeball, really see, and ask the person, would they like to speak more about this? What more do they have to say about this? And try to find out in the communication with that person who's saying something objectionable which is ugly or prejudiced or unfair in some way is there any area which there is some exception not quite often there is so the generalization and they say oh yes I met I met this um, I met this Palestinian, he seemed to be a really nice guy, I didn't think of him as a terrorist or whatever. I, I met this uh, 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 person, this gay 
this gay man uh, there, he didn't seem to uh, uh, be a problem and a nice connection with him there, or whatever the prejudice of all the prejudices that go on there. Sometimes we just ask, would you like to say a little bit more about him or her? Would you like to talk a little, a li- little bit more about those people in the bisexual community and hear what they have to say? Uh, what was your experience when you met uh, one or two of them? And sometimes another voice. And when that other voice is then coming coming out, and when one is hearing it, at some point to say, make it really clear, thank you for saying that. I really appreciate your openness. I really appreciate that you really do have a connection uh, uh, there. And perhaps there are lots of other exceptions to this uh, generalization there. And, a real, and, and to really thank the person. <coughs> Goodbye. Leave them with it. Leave them with the fact that they have just completely contradicted themselves. <laughs> and you know, or sometimes we might continue. And perhaps you know some people in that community where there's prejudice against whoever they are. And you might say to that person, actually, I know some people in this community and that community you know, it might be the orthodox community it might be the secular community it might be the gender communities and much much more would you like to talk some more would you like to meet and, and see if something else just to contribute one is actively listening and engaging because without diversity and without respect for it we are dead spiritually dead for a start and the insularity of the group or the insularity of the, of the uh, identity that those beloved people in society they do feel excluded because the majority without even realising it may be expressing racism and that racism sometimes is in the voice but sometimes it's most indirect, which is it's difficult in not asking the voice of the other. It's not saying anything. And our passivity indirectly supports it. It's not the intention, but it supports it. And that's the danger of if we lose the liberation of the voice. We lose the liberation of the, the, the freedom. Sometimes in life, opportunity comes to speak. And some of us have this privilege of uh, uh, sitting here. It's not everybody's uh, uh, cup of tea. We don't have to be uh, leaders, uh, uh, but some of us have. And to give a good example, a reasonably good example, in India, um, where um, I've been going a lot, and uh, I think I've spent seven and a half years of my life in India, so I'm an India waller there. And some, I can't remember how long ago, maybe 10, 15, uh, maybe 10 years uh, years ago, uh, teaching in the Thai monastery in Bodh Gaya. Bodh Gaya is the place of the Buddha's enlightenment, of his awakening, of his realization that that human beings are really concerned with suffering 
and um, and need to be really concerned with the resolution of suffering, which is you know, obviously what this talk is about with you today. Uh, there, and I had contact from the person who was in the <coughs> military, and he uh, was the head of the uh, the army camp in in Gaia, just like. 10-15 kilometers from the village, from Bodh Gaya. And he had been in the war, in the conflict in um, Kashmir over this uh, legacy of the, uh, the British occupation, um, in which the, the divisions, as many of you know, between the Palestinians and the uh, Indians, uh, who owns pa Kashmir, who's responsible for Kashmir, this. Pakistan, Pakistan. Pa Pakistan, and uh, <laughs> thank you for that. It was a slip. Can't even. They've got enough problems on already. <laughs> but between uh, Pakistan and uh, India, over this beautiful region, actually of Kashmir in the in the uh, northern, northern part, and he had because he was a uh, 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 there. As, uh, Officer had a great deal of stress, giving orders, of course, and, and involved in the fighting, etc., etc. And then, he, and then he was reposted back, but he had immense stress in what these days called post-traumatic or traumatic <laughs> stress uh, disorder. And then he heard about the retreat, and he arrived. But because of all the risk and dangers, he arrived. He, there was an army jeep in front of him an army jeep behind him he got out in his uniform uh, and then he asked to find uh, 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 my, uh, myself and he said he has to have ongoing protection and therefore the soldiers in both jeeps in front had to be there uh, there they were not interested in meditation uh, whatsoever um, so they came into the hall with their rifles on at the back of the armor hall and I said you are very welcome, but your rifles are not. If you want to be in the hall, you have to leave your rifles outside of the hall. Um, I think two or three of them agreed, and, um, and then one went outside to keep an eye on the rifles, uh, etc., because they could get a few rupees in the market uh, for sale, and so forth. This is the story. The next year, the commander of the camp, there were 15 Indian army generals having a meeting in this army camp, which is in fact is referred to the army camp by the Buddha in the text. So it's a pretty old army camp, I have to say. <laughs> I don't know if it's the same place. And he um, sent one of his staff and said, Christopher, could the generals come and listen to you give your Dharma talk and I said oh yes they can <laughs> etc so along came all these jeeps then all the bodyguards 15 generals uh, there and I said to the manager that would provide some chairs to, for them to sit on you know to the side etc and bless their hearts, they refused uh, the chairs, you know, the, the Indian tradition that the guru 
says hi and so they they sat in a group beside me here uh, there and then of course the thought arose before walking into the hall what am I going to talk about <laughs> it's not every retreat that you get 15 generals sitting beside you there and then it came up it was so obvious it was so obvious I'm going to talk about karma <laughs> so we've been talking about karma about your intentions and actions and consequences and suffering and then I would turn regularly and I would say and I'm sure you would agree wouldn't you <laughs> just to rub it in a little bit uh, and then uh, and they were very nice and we had you know, had, you know uh, 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 chai and barfi afterwards those, uh, 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 there and there and I was interested and I asked the the boss of the, 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 the camp he was very happy what was, what was the discussion point after the talk because you know I'm, I didn't make the talk easy it's not like I'm trying to please them or anything you know it was straight down the line like intentions, actions and consequences and suffering for them and for, for, for others uh, there and I asked and the initial discussion point was how is it that an Englishman with the background of the British of 200 years of occupation of India is coming to India <laughs> to speak about karma <laughs> which is our tradition <laughs> this they could not get their mind around sometimes people here say that anyway whatever it is. so sometimes it's the finding of the voice with the love and the kindness that we, uh, as much as we can, we can, not being afraid uh, there, and sometimes, and part of the preparation in our exploration and sharings of the liberation of the voice, some preparation. Can I learn as a practice to be mindful enough of the other to take the heat? That is, that is a challenge. Not so much the voice is speaking and it's you know, hopefully calm and careful with the language and the words and if, especially if one is quoting the other we have to be extremely precise if there is any exaggeration if it's a personal dialogue of what the person said she or he will have an excuse to react that's not what I said or oh, you're going too far back into the past or whatever it might be. So when we communicate as mindfully and carefully as possible, as to repeat, can I be calm enough to take, it may happen or not, some heat which comes back uh, to one. Learn to feel that through, feel the sensation, in a way that it doesn't inflame our own response. And the calmness and the clarity, and the Buddha said, it's a pretty strong statement of confidence he once said the world in this case other people may argue 
and have conflict with me but I am not in conflict with the other and it's an important statement because the general assumption is two people make a conflict which uh, can be true but sometimes if there is enough calm and clarity with the being physically emotionally mentally verbally there's enough calm and clarity with the being we can put hand on heart and really know I'm not in conflict with the other because I'm, there's enough clarity of the being to stay steady she or he may be in conflict with oneself but it doesn't have to be both ways uh, there and if you are relatively <coughs> calm and settled uh, and and you sense that active participation that, that uh, voice you have to be prepared that can make people even more angry <laughs> that the, the, the other wants to stimulate the anger out and say no I told you so yeah, you're just an angry bastard I knew it all along or whatever the rhetoric may be at the time so it's not that it, it all gets calm and comfortable for both parties and once again just to repeat the period after the experience in its best sense for us uh, there for anybody can be a deliberate reflection on it and I've, I've got in mind the most difficult person in your life I've got in mind the most difficult group we might say uh, in your life and quite often where there is this difficulty or agitation or anger or whatever 99 times out of 100 there that person will not be able to stop thinking about it understand? if there's calmness and clarity there can be a purposeful intention to reflect on the event I want to understand what can I learn from this what was my responses like next time I have a difficult conversation what understanding can I, can I bring from my last one to my next one uh, there and that will come for us out of our calm and clarity but for a person who's upset agitated fault finding there she or he will not be able to stop they will not be able to walk out of the room or out of, the, out of wherever it is and not be going on about it. The heat will go, but the mind will replace the heat and usually self-justification of the blame. And we, and we safeguard and we protect ourselves from all of that burning up inside through finding and making conversations, particularly important ones, really a core feature of our practice. It's a really core feature of our practice. And it's kind of appealing. Remember, 7.30, food time, all right. Um, it's, it's rather appealing here to something um, other than 
I mean, to uh, if, uh, just uh, this afternoon, three um, uh, uh, friends came. Friends of Tobin have been very, uh, uh, here uh, often. One of them, some of you will know, Lubna, the Palestinian, and uh, to uh, uh, others, Donor and Orit. And we were had a little time together and some sharing, uh, which is uh, uh, was going on. And in the 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 course of the uh, uh, the sharing, what like some different aspects which emerged out of the the communication. One touched upon a little bit with you. If we can have real dedication of respect to diversity it will go a long way in in other words if we can really like with the creature world and the plant world there is such diversity uh, there and if we can begin to sense that then we start building the networks and it's just like with the fungi understand the word with the trees there you know, these remarkable trees we, uh, there. And the fungi itself um, helps to make the links between the trees and the underground and really gives support the, the aspects uh, there. And you and I, we're fungi. And there are these big trees around the nation states and organizations and networks and, and institutions, uh, etc. And we've got to find ways, we're the fungi, you know, just quietly in the roots of things, just spreading out there and helping to make some links. And the trees are willing to give up, because it's an exchange, twen- apparently 25% of their sugar and their carbohydrates in their tree to the fungi, because the fungi is contributing to the network. This network is far more important than internet. <laughs> this is the network of life. It's not a substitute network. It's the network of big plants that we live in and our care and responsibility in our listening to each other and start really building up some networks with a view to revolution. A view another way of being that we give support to each other and for that as I mentioned a little bit earlier to today networking connecting linking up with listening to responding to the person in front the larger situation we keep doing that keep doing that keep doing that as a really great priority uh, uh, in our life it will bring happiness. It will bring greater love and wisdom uh, in life. And who could possibly deny that this life is full of networks? It's not like, oh, it's a truth that the Buddhists dreamt up, or, or whatever. Look, look, at the, look at the network here. Look at the connection of the backside with the cushion, the sky above and the earth below. Look at the different... Div- Versities in the room of age and gender and colour and size and shape and history and language and so forth. It's sh- and all the creatures that we spotted during the days. It's not like saying, oh, oh, there's no such thing as interconnectedness. It's 
completely obvious. It's one of the most obvious truths of existence. And we have to be respectful to this truth of existence and keep trust in it so that we don't become insular and small-minded. It's a great task, it's a great challenge, but it's a noble way of life. Thank you for listening. Let's have our quiet minute together. May all beings know the liberation of the voice. May all beings acknowledge the vast network of diversity. May all beings know love and liberation. (laughs) 